Hello and welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshot.net. Episode 22, Change the Curriculum Structure. Hello, uh, my name is Simon Lewis uh, from Onshaw.net and you're very welcome to this episode if I were the Minister for Education from Onshaw.net. Most of the episodes on this podcast have been focusing on our terms and conditions and the systems that are in place that make education a really overcomplicated and unwieldy mess. Now, as I said um, before in previous episodes, our education system is a bit like Christmas decorations when, when you take them down from the attic at first. When you left them up there 11 months beforehand, you thought they were in some sort of manageable shape. And then somehow, whatever went on while you weren't looking, they get into a total hames again. Um, last week, we, took, we looked at the almost unbelievable way that we managed to get um, out the new uh, primary language curriculum and all the various ways it's managed to end up as terrible as it's happened to, t- to turn out to be. Um, by the way, this episode... Um, uh, the, the, the one on the primary language uh, curriculum was by far um, the one that had mo- the most amount of feedback so thanks before I start anything thank you for all of that uh, this week we're going to expand our lens to the entire primary curriculum uh, right? not just the uh, primary language curriculum and uh, I promise not to go too much more into the primary language curriculum in this episode uh, as you can listen to episode 21 for that uh, but basically we're going to look at ways uh, we're going to look at the actual curriculum now um, and how we might restructure it and yes we are going to tackle all the elephants in the room yes uh, I, there are a few of them there and I know um, there, there are ones that you shouldn't touch so I will be grasping each of those uh, of those ones that's, and, and we all know what they are uh, the three uh, subjects you cannot touch or talk about uh, drama Irish and religion well, you might be able to talk about drama but certainly not Irish and religion uh, but I think drama's uh, in there as a little elephant in the room um, and anyway we're going to wonder, uh, wonder is there some way that we can change the structure of the curriculum and basically that's the topic for this week's If I Were the Minister for Education uh, Given that last week's episode garnered a good few new listeners I suppose I better introduce myself uh, properly although briefly um, I promise I won't take longer than a minute to do that uh, well, my name is Simon Lewis and I'm the principal of Carlo Educate Together. Uh, but over the last 16 or 17 years, I've been running a blog uh, called Onshaw.net. Um, Onshaw.net has gone through a series of facelifts over the years and originally started off as a resource sharing website. Uh, but it moved on um, after a while to be the first point for teachers seeking advice on technology and education. Uh, these days, we've uh, I've more fish to fry, I guess, hence this podcast. And the concept of, a, of it is really, in a nutshell, is to wonder what I would do if I were the Minister for Education. The chance of me actually being um, the Minister for Education is zero. So my aim is to use this podcast to basically state my case on a number of issues that annoy me. Um, I try to cover a, a range of things from religion and schools to curriculum issues to why small schools keep closing down and why everything we're doing or suggesting to fix all these problems uh, out in the... Uh, out in the media and uh, and tech government level is completely wrong um, if nothing else anyway <laughs> i hope that the podcast gives a little bit of insight into my own thoughts on education in ireland even if nobody agrees with them anyway that's me um uh, just a very brief introduction and uh, let's get back to the episode where we will look at our primary curriculum and uh, go for uh, and go from there 
So by any standards, the Irish primary curriculum is a beast with way too many subjects and far too little time to cover them all adequately. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the uh, Irish primary curriculum, we have 11 subjects that we have to cover. We've got the core subjects, which are English, Irish and Maths, so English, Gaelga and Maths. Then there's the arts subjects, so we've got visual arts, music and drama. Then there's the social sciences, uh, such as history and geography, and then science itself, which is not a social science, it's science. Uh, SPHE um, also, I suppose, could somewhat be fitted into it. It's social, personal and health education. And then there's PE. And finally, there's a patron uh, curriculum or a patron program, which takes up about 10% of your school day. And in 96% of schools, this is, a re- this is basically religious instruction. Um, or as it's been subtly rebranded, religious education, as if that makes it sound more inclusive or less dogmatic or something. But basically, it's the indoctrination aspect of the school day. And that's its purpose, and that's why denominational education exists. Um, and in some weird way, many many people kind of deny the religion bit of the curriculum uh, is indoctrination, uh, but their argument is totally nonsense, because without it, the school would no longer have a religious ethos. Anyway, you can probably see where my first cut from my curriculum acts is coming from, but more about that in a little few minutes. Um, to give a bit more background, we get 25 hours a week uh, to teach all these subjects, all 11. Um, well, actually, to be honest, we have 22 and a half hours, because the time uh, there is time allocated to assembly time and roll call. Uh, or what's become known as discretionary time. And this is mainly made up of trying to fit everything in that can possibly fit into the actual time that we've been given. So basically, here's the breakdown of the curriculum. So if you are, there's basically two two, two uh, columns for this, and this is taken directly from the curriculum. Um, there's the full day, uh, which is basically first class to sixth class, and the short day, which is infant hours, which is um, actually even less again. Um, so you're, you're, you're talking uh, five hours less uh, tuition. So you're trying to squeeze 11 subjects into um, a 17 and a half hours there. So basically, um, in terms of a secular instruction, as it's divided into, and religious education, which is interesting too, um, but basically, um, the total secular instruction is 20 hours or 15 hours um, if you're in an infant class. So you've got your first language was generally English or Gwelga if you're in a Gwel school for four hours a week. Um, or three hours a week in a um, in an infant class, three and a half hours for the second subject. So if you're in a Gwell school, that would be English. Or if you're in an in an, an English medium school, it would be four uh, Irish. Two and a half hours in an infant class, and then maths gets three hours or two two and a quarter hours. SESE, which is science, geography, and history, gets three hours and two hours and fifteen in infant classes. SPHE, the social, personal, and health education, is half an hour a week for both. PE is an hour a week for both. Arts education is three hours a week for um, older kids, two and a half hours for younger. And uh, then you've got this discretionary, um, sorry, curricular time. Sorry, I I was, I I actually got that wrong uh, there a few minutes ago. Discretionary time and um, assembly time and roll call. They're all separate. That's um, quite a lot of time. So even less time to teach the actual curriculum than than I'd anticipated there. So basically, um, we've not got the 22 and a half hours uh, that I said we've 20 and a half hours um, uh, there or 15 and a half hours to cover uh, what we have to cover. Anyway, there's a few things that jump straight out uh, at me straight away and I'll come back to this chart later uh, on because I don't want I don't I want to make the first point um, that although this is a crazy amount of things 11 subjects in 15 hours or 11 subjects in about 20 hours um, it's a crazy amount it doesn't end there like that's not the worst of it there's constant demands 
um, mainly being made by outside agencies to slot in more and more into this finite space of time. I mean, when I look at it now, gosh, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I sort of surprised myself a little bit. I actually thought that the discretionary time and the uh, assembly time are one and the same thing. Gosh, I was, uh, um, there you go. Um, but um, basically uh, what I'm saying is there's, there's constant demands, mainly made by outside agencies, to slot more and more into this really small amount of space. And a good example of this is SPHE, the Social Personal Health Education, which technically gets 30 minutes a week uh, in the curriculum. Now, I don't know if, if, um, if you, I mean, I don't know if you've managed to fit everything that SPHE demands into 30 minutes a week. And if you do, you need to tell me how you're doing it. Because what started off as a very small subject, a very small curriculum, now includes all sorts of programs that have just been squeezed into it. And um, like, for example, RSC Relationships and Sexual Education, which is fair enough, Stay Safe, uh, Walk Tall, Web Safety Now, and Wellbeing programs now have uh, most most recently been doing some uh, mindfulness and, and uh, you know, self-care and things like that. So it's, it's, it's easy to see how impossible it is to fit all of that stuff into 30 minutes a week. Uh, I don't really have to get into that. So it's generally covered. It generally has to be covered somewhere else. And that cue your discretionary time. Uh, so, I mean, in reality, I would say that SPHE um, and discretionary time added together basically gets your SPHE if, you're, if, you're, if, if people are pretty, pretty uh, honest about it. I mean, SPHE is just one example, though. Because if you're an infant teacher, how in God's name do you throw Ashter into the equation, which is the framework? Um, but then throw in the rest of the curriculum. I mean, if Ashter, I mean, what people are doing is they're, they're kind of making, they're kind of trying to squeeze aspects of the curriculum into Ashter, which they're supposed to do, okay? But there's been very little guidance on how to do that. And, um, and, and really, ultimately, I mean, you know, the, the easiest thing would be to scrap all the subjects and just have Ashter as your, as your foundation, your framework for the whole thing, and forget the rest of the, uh, for, forget the curriculum, but we'll talk about that in a second. Um, I mean, but throw in other stuff as well. There's more stuff that we have to do uh, to cover the curriculum. And, and it's funny what, you, what, what I, I see. I mean, I did it myself. What you, what you say is a particular subject, but you actually isn't. But for example, you've got like your, your um, winter concerts or your Christmas concerts and all the preparation to that. Q, I, I would imagine your your visual arts, your music, your drama uh, gets thrown into that, even though they don't, even though none of those things uh, really uh, are technically uh, part of a concert. What about if you're in a Catholic school covering your sacraments? If you're in second class or sixth class, I mean, I know uh, they they kind of have to squeeze something into that because you're not going to cover it in your half an hour a day, uh, particularly uh, post uh, post um, January when you're when you're pretty much covering everything all, all day because children actually don't go to churches outside. Outside of um, outside of school anymore, uh, so you basically a teacher's responsibility is to effectively evangelise and and be missionaries uh, for children uh, and their families because the families are sort of outsourced religion to schools in some way or another. Not all, but in the majority of cases. So basically, they have to spend so much time covering preparation for sacraments that you know all of a sudden you find again your visual arts and your your drama and your um, and your literacy even, and even Guelga, uh, being covered in sacrament preparation. You're trying to squeeze in these, uh, these sort of things. Um, and, you know, and then you've got countless other initiatives that seem to have just crept in. Junior entrepreneurship, incredible edibles, super troopers, and so on and on and on. And not forgetting possible local things like your coming month school, uh, your debating competitions, any local colouring competition. I mean, it's a wonder we have time to even cover the curriculum at all with all the different things that are going on. And for me, totally honest, I guess I... I would suggest we aren't, and we can't be. Something has to be giving, and I don't think it's just drama, <laughs> the subject drama. And in fairness to the NCCA, they are trying to figure this one out too, 
originally they divided the uh, 11 subjects, uh, the 11 curriculum subjects, loosely into seven sections. Not that this was in any way useful, it just looked colourful on the book. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I, I can go through the, the seven areas, but you could probably figure them out yourself. Uh, but, you know, they, they've realised this is not going to work. You can't fit in 11 subjects into 20 hours of tuition and, uh, and, 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 and not have something or many things suffer. So what do you think they did? What do you think the NCA did? What do you think any government agency do when, um, when, they, when they need to make changes? Should they make a whole consultation? That's what they did, a consultation. And you can find that consultation on the NCCA's website if you want. And I, but I'm not going to bore you with the entire 20-page document. But in the, I'm just going to bore you with the introduction, which, and it states the reason, the rationale for this. And here it is. At curriculum level, recent years have brought calls for increased time to be allocated to existing areas such as SPHE and requests for the inclusion of a new curriculum area such as coding, modern language, education about religions and belief systems um, and ethics. So like, that's a load of stuff they want to shove into the 20 hours. And, you know, they they realise that's not going to happen. So thankf- And thankfully, the NCCA are clever enough not to suggest uh, something as increasing the time we're expe- uh, expected to be uh, staying in school. Uh, so they've decided to look at ways to restructure the curriculum of what we do with our time. And here are their main proposals. And actually, to be fair to them, they've come up with two um, ideas. Um, they're thinking of making the Irish uh, primary school a two-stage or a three-stage sort of framework. So the three-stage one uh, is basically step one, or so stage one would be uh, going from preschool, so age about three till about six or seven years old, uh, which would basically be Ashter-themed, you know, so it would be early infant education. I think that's a really wise idea. Then from first to fourth class, so about six-ish to 10 or 11 years old, you'd have kind of curriculum areas rather than curriculum subjects. So you, they're thinking of dividing the curriculum down into areas, which is, uh, which is kind of interesting. Um, and um, we'll, we'll have a think about that. And then their third stage is fifth and sixth class. So basically from 10 to about 12 or 13, where you go to subjects, kind of in preparation maybe for secondary school where everything will be subject focused. Um, that's their three-stage model. Their two-stage model, which is slightly different, is from preschool, so three uh, to second class, they would have um, Astro themes all the way um, to the end of second class, so early infant education. And from the age of about eight, so that's a bit interesting, eight um, uh, upwards, they would go to what we do now, which is subjects. So no um, curriculum areas. Um, the time allocation, they're kind of thinking that they need to have uh, curriculum time and then flexible time, which is interesting. So curriculum time, your curriculum time would be spent on your languages, your maths, your SPHE, your SESE, your arts education, your physical education, that would be 60% of your school time, the minimum school time. And then you'd have 40% of your time to be flexible, which uh, would be basically um, continuing with those. So, you know, you can do more of that so, uh, of those subjects, or you can put in your discretionary curriculum time, the patron program, recreation, assemblies, and roll call. Now, the patron bodies, well, one particular patron body went mad uh, to see the patrons program in this as flexible time. They would have seen it as core uh, curriculum time and uh, I, I think the NCCA had to go back to the drawing board because the uh, the, the uh, one particular denominational body uh, were so enraged by the fact that it w- that re- the re- patrons program was downgraded to flexible well there you go anyway we will uh, I, I, I'm going to come back to, uh, to, to that because as I said it's one of the elephants in the room but look looking at the options I think there's a lot to be said for both of them 
the three-stage option makes makes a lot of sense uh, to include proper early years infrastructure. So the three to six-year-old Ashdor-led setting makes loads of sense. And I actually like that the idea that the current uh, that in the current first class we start looking at curriculum areas rather than curriculum subjects. However, I kind of would suggest that we could that this could be expanded past third class and well into the third term of sixth class, if even if, even if at all uh, the third term of sixth class, all the way to the end. So uh, and. And I suppose the two-stage model is a little easier to manage, like do Astro to second class and then go to the subjects from third class onwards. However, I don't really think we need to be focusing on subjects per se in primary school anymore. Curriculum areas actually make a lot more sense and it gives a lot more flexibility. And I know, and I know I'm going to go into terrible cliche here, and I know I'm going to be very fashionable and look at Finland when we're discussing education. Those Finns are so hot right now and we know that. But of course, those crafty Finns have beaten us to it in their curriculum reform. Um, and their entire focus now is away from curriculum subjects. And it's about developing children. And the core of their curriculum now is developing children as human beings and citizens. Now, I hear all you guys, all you conservative people already saying, well, that sounds a bit fluffy. What about the three R's, huh? Well, if you're into that sort of thing, may I suggest you look to your right at the island next to us, if you are saying things like that. This is where focusing on the good old days will get you. That's what happens. If you're teaching the three R's, and you should be, it's all well and good. Teaching the three R's is all well and good, but just focusing on the three R's will not give you someone who will be able to navigate the 21st century. And then you're going to go off and vote for breakfast. Oops. Brexit, sorry, I'm, I'm hungry. <laughs> so you're gonna vote for Brexit. Anyway, that's a bit, a bit of a leap anyway, but you need more than the three R's in the 21st century now. Um, anyway, my point is that if someone who is into tradition calls something fluffy or loony left thinking, then to me, it's exactly what we should be doing, which is probably what the Finns discovered, which is why Nokia happened, which is why Ravio uh, happened and why I had to bring my child to see that Angry Birds film, which is which was not a good experience for me. And the most interesting thing about this is, with all due respect to Finnish people, what they've done was not something anyone else couldn't have done. As I've said before in my previous uh, episode, what is it about Finland? I mean, you know, I mean, I think I think the thing about Finland is the fact that they're so high in the education system. People look at that and go, we could do that. They've only about the same, they have the same population as us in Ireland, you know, they're, you know, there's nothing, nothing particularly special about Finns, you know, and that, no, 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 no disrespect to any Finns. I mean, well done, Timu Puki, who scored Norwich's first goal um, in the Premier League last night when I'm recording this. But, so, you know, I mean, the Finns are grand and everything. But, it, it, it seems it, it's achievable. It is achievable. But what they did was they put a huge focus on education when their economy collapsed 30 years ago. And lo and behold, they're now reaping the benefits of it. And we, and you know, that's what's happened. I mean, I'll give you another trite example of another country that put a huge emphasis on something that they were, that they were getting bad at. Like, for example, why are Belgium now in the top two or three soccer teams in the world? Well, they made a point of focusing on, on soccer and it's now paying dividends for their national team. If you look at the best players in the world right now, three out of the top 12 most expensive players in their valued are Belgium. Like, Belgium is, a, is another small, I'm not saying a nothing country, but it's, it's, just, it's, it's not a country where you would say, oh, it's a footballing nation. But they are now. And I bet you could name more Belgian footballers than you could most other countries right now. Anyway, 
back to education and Finland and why their focus has paid dividends, particularly in the 21st century, uh, for their particularly in 21st century schools. It's no accident that Angry Birds and Clash of Clans and Nokia emerged. And like Clash of Clans, for example, is worth five and a half billion dollars. I mean, that's madness. Um, but more than that, they have a thriving economy in health technology and, and other areas. It's just not an accident. They were so damn good. And all it was is a mindset. While the UK are self-destructing and try with trying to measure everything that and it, like trying to measure every single movement a child makes, and where game leads seem to be following suit, even though we're pretending we're not, Finland is just doing their own thing. And their latest curriculum is astonishingly simple. And it has the following aims, which sound absolutely fluffy and loony left-wing thinking, but it's working. Their central point is development of the human being and citizen. That is what they want their children to be. And how they're going to do that is seven points. Taking care of oneself and others and managing daily activities safely. That's very good, isn't it? You know, taking care of yourself. Second one, cultural competence, interaction and expression. So again, being competent in culture. Very good. Arts. Multiliteracy, not just one bit of literacy, liter multiliteracy to include all forms of literacy. ICT competence, They've, they actually have put an emphasis on a competence on technology. They know the 21, in the 21st century, you will not be able to survive without ICT competence. Competence for the world of work and entrepreneurship, very good, very clever. Again, participation and influence building the sustainable future. Sustainability, where are we with our green schools still? Sustainability, we need to be looking at. And thinking and learning to learn. So learning to learn, well, it's so important that you learn how to learn. You don't just, so it's not about the teacher telling you what to learn. You learn how to learn and then develop your own language. It's not a brilliant curriculum. Now I know it's really, really hard to bring that, bring our system and map it onto that. In fact, it's almost impossible. Um, and, and I just think it's lovely. And while I'd love to explore it much further, for the purpose of this podcast episode, I'm going to be a bit annoying and leave Finland now, um, just where it got interesting, and head back to Ireland and the NCCA's plans. And to be fair, it would be very, very difficult for us to simply jump into this Finnish model right now. We couldn't actually move from where we are right now to that model. We need, we need a bit of a stepping stone like the Finns did um, a, a, a generation ago. We need a stepping stone. And the NCCA's two options, I think, are getting there. I think they're pretty good. However, I think we can push them a little bit further. So if I were the Minister for Education, I would take their staged approach and I'd adapt it slightly. The two-stage option looks really good but I'd scrap the idea of a subject-focused curriculum from third to sixth class. My model would be kind of similar to that two-stage model, except that instead of curriculum subjects from second class to sixth class, we'd have curriculum areas with the possibility of the third term of sixth class being a little more subject-focused to help with the transition to second level. That's it. It's not, uh, to be fair, I'm not actually um, suggesting anything particularly mind-blowingly different. Um, just shifting things a little bit. At the moment, the curriculum is loosely divided into seven areas. And as I've said before, but it's too many. Dividing 11 subjects into seven sections just doesn't cut it. I don't think we're entirely ready in Ireland to move to the more holistic Finnish system yet, but we can definitely move towards it by shifting things around and decluttering the curriculum. I don't think we need to reinvent the wheel either. The aims of 21st century learning are now well established as the four C's. Um, I don't know if any of you, I presume most of you have heard this before. And we should really think about making this the framework of our new, new curriculum, let's say. So the four C's, as we know, are creativity, communication, critical thinking, and 
Coding, no, only joking. Collaboration. These should be the strands for all areas. Everything we learn should have these at their core. The areas I'd suggest would be under the following headings. And don't worry, they aren't actually very radical at all. I'd have four areas here. Literacy, STEM, as in, I actually hate that acronym, but I'm, I, I have to use it. Um, arts and social, personal health and well-being. Okay, it doesn't take a genius to slot in our current subjects into these areas. I mean, the big change, um, I would say, I suppose, is including history, geography and PE into a much broadened SPHE. And eagle-eared listeners will immediately say, whoa, 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 whoa. what about religion? Well, <laughs> I didn't really think I'd get away with that, to be honest. So for the moment, I'll have to allow the, religion, uh, the religious patrons, this uh, a fifth area, to do their indoctrination stuff. Ideally, we could simply remove the need for it at all, but we're probably a generation or two maybe away from that. Maybe. Um, however, I wonder... <laughs> I guess I wonder how critical thinking in my four C's and religious instruction would work. Anyway, I'd love to see them trying that. Anyway, however, what else can we do? So we've got our uh, our subjects put into four main areas, um, and we're allowing the religion to be a fifth area somewhere along the way. I can't I can't bring myself to putting it into any other area right now. Um, maybe in history. Um, anyway, um. I promised I'd look at the three elephants in the room, and and sure, why not? Religion is is the first of them, uh, but also Irish and drama, and um. And these three subjects, I guess, are the most emotive ones. And politically, no one is going to touch them right now. But you see, I'm not a politician, and that's why I'll never be the Minister for Education. So here's my take for what it's worth. Um, I'm going to start with the... I'm a coward, so I'm going to start uh, with the easiest one. Uh, and you won't be surprised to hear that I, 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 you know, I draw a line under it and scrap it completely. Okay? It's religion. I think it's the easiest one anyway for me. Whatever common ethics can be derived from a religion curriculum and the arguments I hear are frankly insulting to someone who lives their lives without a religion as if someone that doesn't believe in a god can't have morals or ethics or whatever but basically I would put it all into area four in the SPHE section where things like morality ethics learning about beliefs and so on could be placed here easily enough and before you say it yes I would include a non-religious, um, I'd include non-religious patrons uh, curricula here too. They could just slot into area four. As regular listeners will know, I would scrap the patronage system completely if I were the Minister for Education. So having some sort of common curriculum that unites all these patrons together seems to me like a good place to start. And the NCCA's ERBE uh, curriculum kind of fits nicely enough in here uh, with some sort of adjustment. And effectively, I mean, look, basically, if we could just get rid of religion, um, we're going to save two and a half hours a week straight away. Um, and, um, and if we slot it into that SPHE area, so maybe we'll do an hour of, of what, 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 is, what is kind of common to, um, I suppose, religious ethics and then non-religious ethics. And there, there's lots of commonalities in, in, in both those things. I'm not uh, someone who's anti-religion or anything like that. I mean, religion gives very good structures and scaffolding uh, for, for, for people that need it. Um, but you know, those structures are common to just being a human being, a good citizen. Um, so those sort of things uh, could certainly blend their way into the SPHE. Um, I'm going to go to number two, which is drama, um, which is a little bit more emotive. Maybe it isn't. So maybe, I, I don't know. I, well, maybe it's just to me because I've absolutely no emotion towards religion. Um, but drama, we're always being told that because the curriculum's so large, we should be integrating subjects together. You know, like printing patterns in visual arts, integrating well with patterns in maths and so on. Look, if we're all telling the truth, I imagine the most integrated subject in the, in the entire curriculum is drama. 
and so much so that I imagine there are very, very few teachers in Ireland actually teaching it as a discrete subject, and it's basically been integrated into literacy, both English and Irish, as well as anywhere where role-playing might be happening. And yes, I am aware that drama as a subject has its own unique traits, but I have yet to find one that doesn't integrate somewhere else. And before you ask, how are we going to help all those budding actors of the future and protect our wonderful heritage of drama? Well, the thing is, and let's still be honest here, simply having a subject named in the curriculum doesn't mean we're actually doing it. And I don't know if the curriculum, our primary level curriculum, did create any budding actors uh, in the future. Um, I, I, I don't know what the future of acting is going to be. It, it, it could be, you know, it's I, at the same time. Anyway, I think we can integrate it into to literacy. They've done it in, in, in other countries um, and, and it really hasn't been noticed. And anyway, as I said, I don't know if anyone's really teaching it anyway. Speaking of which, let us now move to the biggest of all the elephants, my good friend, the Irish language. And before you start keening tear gun shanga, tear gun anum, I'm actually not saying that we should scrap the Irish language. To be fair to me, and it's my podcast, so there, I have already suggested that all schools should be Gaelscolna. So if I had my way fully, we wouldn't actually need Gaelga to be a discrete subject because everything we would do would be through Gaelga anyway. However, this isn't the case, so Irish is a subject. And for me, we need to look at Gaelga as a foreign language. I'm sorry, I know that jars, even with me and my non-national, despite the lack of any nationalism in me, I, I, that does, that little phrase, Gaelga is a foreign language, really jars. Um, and it jars heavily to the ears. But going back to the previous episodes, we're simply killing the language the way we're going. We are killing it. We are in complete denial about it and how we're going to solve it. I cannot listen to another radio debate where somebody suggests we need now to focus a bit more now on the oral language or some other person going on, oh, it's not Klaus de Lurgan with all its white kids singing in Irish. That can be, what can be achieved if we just focus on it? Now, Klaus de Lurgan, as nice as they are, is not the norm. The norm is a bunch of 30 kids in a room where none of them speak Irish anywhere except in school. The only time they utter a word of the language is in school school. That is the norm. So let's stop pretending it isn't and start teaching Irish from the right starting point. Let's copy another country who have made efforts to rescue a language that was dying, like the Isle of Man or Wales or wherever. We have killed it so much, we actually have to start teaching it like a foreign language because they don't speak it at home. However, all of it will be in vain if there isn't a bigger picture even to Irish. The bigger picture, obviously, is that it has to be spoken outside of school as a real living language, which it isn't. And if that's what we really want to actually happen, do we want it to be a real living language or do we want to pretend that? And maybe we do and maybe we don't, but we have to decide on that and then act on that. Maybe we want to be more like most Northern European countries that speak their own language on a daily basis and fluent English. Maybe we want to be like the UK and just speak one language. English. Right now we're doing neither and we're wasting three and a half hours a week slowly killing the language off. So basically if I if we were to become Gaelskulna we wouldn't need to teach Gaelga that much because it would just be the in language of the entire curriculum and however if we aren't and we simply want to teach to a point that we can bitch about other tourists when we're on holidays so they don't understand us then let's reduce it down to a couple of sessions a week with a fluent speaker to teach it. To be honest, I'm sick to the teeth of our attitude to the Irish language. It's similar to the discussion I was having on small schools over the last number of weeks. As a country, we believe we must, under all circumstances, ensure that we keep the Irish language or we keep small schools, but at the same time, we refuse to do anything creative to save either of them. And almost all the people who are the most passionate about it refuse to do anything creative themselves and the small number that do actually do get the results. You know, if you actually looked at the people that are actually doing, in fairness to those, uh, like colossal Lurgan people, 
they have made Irish cool in their own vicinity. And it's actually something that people like doing. The people that are in that school are expected to do something very cool with the language. Much like that small school as well, if you go back to the small schools in East Clare that I spoke about in the small schools episode, they had to think creatively and their enrollments basically doubled and is continuing to grow. However, those schools are the outliers. Basically, like I've said before, we need to make proper decisions about Irish and both solutions require roughly an hour a week of tuition rather than the wasting that we're doing at the moment of spending three and a half hours flogging a dead horse, really. We're really flogging. It's, it's, you know, we have to make our mind up. Be Gael or don't be. And if we are, we, we use Irish throughout the day so we don't actually have to teach it as a discrete kind of subject or don't and let's just, let's just uh, teach it like uh, for, for, for general use, conversational use. There you go. My elephants in the room sorted out. What about the other subjects? Well, despite having a terrible curriculum, literacy is obviously essential. Schools have been pretty much working independently from the curriculum for about 20 years, so I guess we're just going to keep doing that. You can listen to my last episode on the primary language curriculum uh, for, for, for my suggestions there. Going on to the arts, well, without drama anymore, it's time we did visual arts and music properly. It'll be interesting to see if music generation was fully funded, how that might give some flexibility in terms of teaching the subject. Not really a big fan of external teachers, to be honest, but the arts is something we shouldn't forget and we can't forget because it's so important. Um, my understanding is that it gets very little in teacher training colleges and the result of that is that YouTube has suddenly become a music teacher and you can guarantee, I can almost guarantee that this September 2019, Loads of classrooms will be making Forky from Toy Story 4 and calling that visual arts. Anyway, I'm going off the point, but I think with a reduced curriculum, we might see these subjects getting better training and as a result, better outcomes. Losing the arts, while popular in some circles, would be a tragedy, I think, in any place. Without the arts, what do we have? I, I is, is something that people say. <laughs> it's nearly like saying, tear gone, Anam, tear gone, whatever. Um, uh, but, you know, think of your life and think of all the things you enjoy, and generally they, they are based on arts. Um, anyway, we'll move on to physical education, PE. Well, again, it's essential. I don't think I could argue that one away, and I don't think I'm going to try. In fact, we should obviously be increasing it, um, or we should be doing uh, linking it up with families um, so that PE doesn't happen just in school. It also happens at home. SPHE, as I said, for 30 minutes just isn't realistic. We need it as an area of its own, and I've talked about that, and we need to encapsulate that. Um, PE, history and geography, and maybe that religion ethics program, uh, if uh, if my plans uh, ever 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 come to fruition. So I mean, SPH would become a quarter of the curriculum basically. And as much as I hate the word, the term STEM, science, technology, engineering, maths, it's the best way to bring math, science, and other logical skills to the curriculum. The T for technology needs to be well thought out, and it isn't coding. It doesn't need to be coding. We don't need to be teaching coding. We'll talk about that again. And the engineering makes sense to tie in to tie science and maths together. So basically all the subjects are there in some way, but much better integrated. There'd be much better integration. The final step, I guess, would be to get rid of all these uh, of these areas in the future. Uh, we don't need four areas. I think we might move to a, a more um, less subject focusing. However, I think having four subjects instead of 11 is a reasonable idea. Anyway, let's flesh out this new curriculum um, of four-ish areas. So given that my model Ashter will become the curriculum until the end of first class, the formal curriculum would actually be a five-year cycle rather than an eight-year cycle. And each area would be divided up into a menu of sub-areas consisting of several targets. I'd suggest that schools come up with their own targets, but it's probably a good idea for the NCCA to come up with a good starter list. For example, a sub-area might be history, and a target might be to explore Irish history. The targets would have their own rubric, which I guess are sub-targets. I'd suggest four, but certainly no more than five. For example, sub-target one could be early Ireland, 
to Middle Ages, then move on to 18th to 19th century, and then modern Ireland from independence. Ultimately, it will be up to schools to make their plans for this. Um, I imagine because we're all still so reliant on textbooks in Ireland that they'll take over much of this. But schools should be building up their own long-term plans and even short-term plans to teach these concepts. And better yet, schools could be sharing their plans with each other. That's collaboration. But I know that's not happening right now uh, in general, so I don't expect any change there. Another example in the arts, one could have a target for paint in visual arts. Uh, Sub-targets could be colours and tones, painting from observation, painting from imagination, and looking and responding to artists. While some might feel this would water down the curriculum a little bit, I would argue it gives much more autonomy to schools to concentrate on areas that need focus in their particular school. It also gives schools a more simple assessment system which can be understood by everyone in the school. And most importantly, every single sub-area would have their targets completed on the equivalent of one A4 page or less. That is the dream, I would suggest. I believe we should ground everything we teach on the four principles of 21st century learning, which I've mentioned before, communication, collaboration, creativity, and critical thinking. All of our targets should have these as foundations. We need to get children to think more, to problem solve more, to work together more, to put their stuff out to the world more, to think of new ideas, to present them to each other, to harness the tools they have, to get their message out there, to share their work with others. And yes, the three arts can be taught using the four C's. It's easy if we just do it. To be fair to the NCCA, I think they are going pretty much in the right direction when it comes to curriculum reform. Their main problem is the number of stakeholders fighting their various corners and the fact that they all want input to everything. I think the idea of dividing the primary years into two distinct parts is worthy and starting some sort of formality is correct around the age of seven like most developed countries. The Astor framework is super, and when it's followed properly, which we will need to work on, uh, but that's for another episode, it could be a brilliant foundation for future learning. Reducing subjects down to four key areas to me makes a lot of sense as a, as a starting point before we can look at more developed countries like Finland, where formal subjects are no longer needed. We could do this probably within a generation. However, we do have some sticking points in Ireland. We're a country with a very, very messed up attitude to two superpowers, the church and the Irish language. And as a country, we don't really know what to do with either of them, so we just do nothing. Perhaps natural selection is the way to go, but from my objective position, I can only see bad news for both Irish and the church unless they adapt, um, much like that theory of adapt or die um, and I was interested to read that people in Finland think of schools as completely equal. No matter where they live they get the same level of education. This is something we need to look at too because we still obsess over the misnomer of the good school and we need to simply have all schools the same. This will again make our curriculum more accessible to everyone. Next week, we're going to continue examining the curriculum and wonder why the Department of Education have so little to do with education itself. At this time of the year, all I hear is how expensive school books cost, and I wonder why the government simply don't provide the content to schools so they don't actually have to get parents to buy books from private companies. Tune in uh, next week where uh, to hear that if I were the Minister for Education, I would be getting my team to develop curriculum content. I hope you enjoyed this episode and be sure to join in with me every Wednesday morning just in time for your midweek slump. It's uh, 
Sometimes it will get your blood boiling, um, and uh, even if you agree or disagree with me. This podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, and any other podcasting app by searching for either Onshaw.net or If I Were the Minister for Education. I'd really appreciate you subscribing to this podcast so each new episode will be available to you immediately after its release. Uh, please also feel free to review the podcast so others can find it more easily. Um, I hope uh, that gave you a little bit of a, a flavour of, uh, of what I think a curriculum might look like in Ireland. Um, rather than just aping another country really um, but certainly being influenced by what good practice is going on out there Um, next week as I said we'll have a look at developing curriculum content listen thanks a million for listening again all the best take care bye bye